This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Morning, church. Our scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 35. So I'll give you a moment just to turn your Bibles or your devices there. Genesis chapter 35 begins like this. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And and as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Elan Bakuth. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall you, your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel when they were still some distance from uh, Ephrath. Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Elder. While Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bill, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, the sons of Billah, Rachel's servant, Dan and Naphtali, the sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Paddan Aram. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kirith Arab, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last. And he died and was gathered to his people, 
old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our gathering here this morning, the gathering of your church. And I do pray, Father, as we open your word, God, that you will speak to us, that you will guide us according to your holy scriptures. Father, we don't take for granted the fact that we are able to meet together, and I do praise you for that, Father. Might you give us a sweet time together. Lord, and we also consider those who aren't able to be here together with us this morning, God, who are maybe home or infirm. I do pray, God, that you will be ministering to them in their need at this moment. Lord, and there, you know there's many needs among us, even in this body. Lord, I pray, God, that whether it's grief or there's hurts or fears or worries, Father, that you would meet us where we're at. God, we thank you that you're with us at all times, and we praise you for that, Father. Lord, as we continue our service, I do pray that you will bless Pastor Paul as he just goes through your word. Lord, expounds on it for us. God, might you bless his preparation. Father, I pray that you would use our time this morning to strengthen our walks with you, God, to increase our faith and to help us learn more about who you are. Father, we are so grateful and we thank you and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's get into our text for today. This is, this is our last message on the, life, the lives of Isaac and Jacob. Number 11. The last chapter was a dark spot on the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, things could have ended on a real low if, if 34 had been our last chapter. I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, the, the last chapter seemed, seemed quite hopeless because it contained, it contained no mention of God at all. But this chapter, chapter 35, is filled with God's name, God's voice, and God's presence. Have you ever drifted away from God or found yourself sort of drifting away from God? Maybe even you were still coming to church, but your heart really wasn't there. It's actually easy to drift away from God. You don't have to intentionally or, or outward, outwardly rebel. A drift away from God can happen slowly and effortlessly. Maybe, maybe you are discouraged by your, by your problems at work or at home or, or even in the church. There are problems here too. Perhaps you are... You are tired of your hard heart that goes back to your, your favorite sins. Right? Those sins, sins that you don't like, but for some reason they really like you. Maybe you just feel weary and weak because God seems somewhat distant at the moment. This chapter reminds us that God always calls his own back to him. We, we may feel that God is, is shaking his head in disapproval over our drifting, but his heart loves pouring out mercy toward his own. If, if you don't remember anything else, remember that. 
God is committed to you in spite of your faults. You, you, you may be drifting, but God is for you. He is never against you. God in no way will cast you out. So if you've just been through or going through right now a chapter 34 type of crisis where God seems to be nowhere in the picture and you're drifting away from God, take heart. Take heart. Take heart because God can use a crisis to bring you back to himself because a crisis actually shows us how stubborn we are and how prone to wander we can be. And that puts God's grace on display. You know, like when they take out a diamond and they put it on that little black velvet thing and they sh the lights are shining on it? That's, that's what it's like. God's grace in the midst of crisis. It's like that shining diamond on display. We're going to look at, at three things in this chapter this morning. These three things show us what needs to happen to bring us back from the drift away from God. And thankfully, they all begin with R. Imagine that. Revelation, repentance, and remembrance. So these, these things not only help us, or help to bring us back to God, they also help prevent the drift from happening in our lives. So let's get started with that first point, revelation. Now, when I say revelation, I'm talking about God speaking to us. In the time of Jacob, the form of God's revelation, well, there were, it was a couple, really. It was visions and dreams and the testimony of others. Okay, so Jacob would have first heard about God from, from Isaac, his father, and Rebekah, his mother, their testimony of who God is. Jacob first heard directly from God when he fled to escape the wrath of his brother that he brought upon himself. And when he camped the first night all alone, that's when he got that first direct revelation. He had, he had a dream. Do you remember the dream, the, the stairway to heaven? And God spoke to him, reminding him of the promises that he was giving him and his presence, which would always be with him. And Jacob called this place Bethel, which means house of God. Bethel's a big theme here this morning. Look what we have in the first verse of chapter 35. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Notice how he's bringing back to his memory what had happened there years ago. You know, if, if we... If we drifted away from someone who cared about us, maybe like a parent or, or, or a spouse, a, a close friend, we, we expect that person would want 
nothing to do with us anymore, right? That's what, that's what we feel deep down inside. Kind of like that whole prodigal son feel, you know, when the son was kind of making his way out, he's like, my father's not going to want me. I, I, I've blown it. That's what we think. We think they, they loved me so much, yet, yet I stopped listening to them and communicating with them, and I just drifted away. I just, I really blew it. They must just hate me. They've written me off. We naturally think that God feels that way about us when we drift away, too. That thought in your mind is false. Don't listen to it. Because it will talk to you. Don't listen to it. God loves to show mercy over judgment toward his own. God is not like that toward his own dear children, whether they are abiding or drifting. His love is not dependent on your performance. His love his love is completely from himself. And it's not dependent on anything. He doesn't have a bad day. And that changes his love. It's constant. Jacob had, had drifted, but God graciously makes the first move to bring Jacob back to himself. And he can do the same for you. God makes the first move by speaking to Jacob. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't remind Jacob of his failures in his family that, that were very evident in chapter 34. He doesn't condemn him for his silence in a serious situation. He doesn't bring to light his selfishness that's highlighted at the end of chapter 34. Those are the things we would bring up if we were God. Instead, God simply tells him to pack up where he had settled down and go to Bethel, the house of God. He says, Jacob, come home to my house where you belong. Come home. God is so gracious. God is so gracious. After, God, God would speak to Jacob again, this time stating his promises to him as, as the family that would carry the blessing of God to the whole world. You see, God keeps speaking to his children. Today, God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. Now, that might not seem as appealing to you as visions or dreams, but the beautiful thing about the Bible is that it is accessible at any time in, in our part of the world. We don't have to wait for God to speak. We can, we can pick up our Bibles or, or our devices that have Bibles on them, and we can hear from God. We have it so much better than those like Jacob or the others that went before us. Just remember what, what a precious thing 
this book is. It's God's revelation to us. Let's, let's look at our next point in bringing us back from the drift and, and keeping us from drifting. It's, it's repentance. After God speaks to Jacob, telling him to go back to Bethel, there, there's, there's no mention of contemplation with Jacob or, or questioning. What is seen is, is repentance. What is seen is obedience. Verse 2 shows us this. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. So, so Jacob calls everyone of his household to, to put away the foreign gods that are among you. Okay, so we don't know how long these gods had been part of the household. We know Rachel stole some gods from her father when they fled from him, but obviously there are more. Regardless for how long they'd been around, Jacob makes a stand and calls for these gods to go. The Apostle Paul calls for God's people to do the same in, in Colossians 3, verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Right? And, then he, and then he lists a number of things there. Right? But Paul uses that phrase, put to death. Jacob actually illustrates this thought. He takes all the idols and hides them or buries them under a tree in Shechem. See, he kills them by taking them from his household and then buries them, right? He puts them in a grave. He has a funeral for them. This, this is the first step of repentance. Identify the sin in this case, possessing and most likely worshiping idols, false gods, and then kill it. Maybe God has spoken to you through his word and you've, been, you've become convicted about something in your life. Don't sit on that conviction. Put action toward your conviction and figure out what you have to do to kill that evil tendency or action. Start planning and executing its funeral now. And if you can't figure out how to kill it, talk to someone who loves the Lord and loves you to help you try to figure it out. You know, that, that alone, that, that confession towards someone else and that desire to, to, I need some help with this. It is a huge step. As, as you, know, you know how sin flourishes? It flourishes in the dark. That's where it grows, unlike a plant. Sin grows in the dark. By, by confessing it to someone else, you bring it into the light, and immediately it begins to start dying. That's why James tells us to confess our sins to one another. Let me, let me show you that verse. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You see, when you confess it, you bring it into the light and, it gets, and, and then it gets soaked with prayer and it weakens. It starts to die. 
and then look at the reason for confessing it and, and then praying for one another, we can get healed from that sin. There's healing available. Jacob also tells his household to purify themselves, right? That, that's just, usually that means washing yourself, okay? Washing yourself and, and then changing their, their garments. But what's, what is this all about here? It, it could be some sort of ceremonial thing, symbolically showing that they have, they have cleansed themselves, right? They're, they're new people now. Or... Or it could be that Jacob does not even want a hint of the smell of these idols on any of his household members. It seems extreme, right? Even the smell of idols, really? Is that really necessary? Paul said it best when he wrote to the Galatians about the false teaching that they were adopting. It was just a little bit. But he says in verse 9 of chapter 5 in Galatians, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Jesus tells us to get serious with the things that cause us to sin. Jesus gives this exaggerated directive to cut off our hand or our foot or gouge out our eye if any of those members cause us to sin. Right? The point is not to be taken literally, but that serious action should take place to show how serious sin is in our life. How serious it is to leave it there and not kill it. The second thing Jacob does in his repentance after calling for the death of the idols is found in verse 3. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So Jacob says, let's get going. Let's get going. Let's go the way God wants us to go, to Bethel. See, we can't just bury our sin because it was there for a reason. It gave us a form of comfort or, or peace in our life. It, it temporarily took away our anxiety or depression or pain. Or it, or it deceived us into a wrong way of thinking. See, Jacob could not have stayed in Shechem. He had to move on, but it was hard because he found safety in that established camp that he had made. Right? He, was, he was less likely to be attacked if he was stationary and, and secure than on the move. And he knows that the massacre in chapter 34 caused by his two sons has put a target on him and his whole family by the people around him. Knowing all that, he uproots and moves to Bethel. You know, if he, if he didn't move on, he would never find joy. He wasn't just putting sin 
to death. He was moving on to life, and life abundant. We, we are always afraid to move away from what is comfortable and familiar to us. But we have to take that step of faith, or else we will never find freedom. Just ceasing from sin is, is just, it's just putting restrictions on us. And, and really just puts us in, in a, a self-made prison that, that we think is good for us, because at least the sin isn't there. It's that step of faith toward new life that has to be coupled with our ceasing from sin. It's there that we find life. It is there that we find freedom. Look at what happened when Jacob and their family took that step of faith in verse 5. And they journeyed, and as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. God went before them. God went before them. God honored their repentance and their move of obedience. It may be hard to take that step of faith toward freedom, but God always goes before you. It's always worth it. It seems costly, but it's always worth it. We need to move on to our last point, remembrance. Jacob and company arrive at Bethel, and God appears to Jacob again. Skip down to verse 10. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob. But Israel shall be your name. So we called his name Israel. Now wait a minute. Didn't this already happen? D didn't this name change already occur? Right? Yes. Right? This is not deja vu. It, this di it did happen before. God, God is not here forgetting what has been done. He is reminding Jacob of the name he already gave him. He is reminding him of his new identity that is already his. You see, God graciously reminds us over and over again who he is and who we are. If, if you've come to God through faith in Jesus Christ, and that's the only way to come to God, by the way, then you have a Father in heaven who has adopted you as his child for all eternity. That's because Jesus gave up his perfect life in exchange for your sinful life. This reminder makes us humble and makes us feel extremely loved that God would do this. We, we need these reminders from God. that They keep us grounded in our new identity in Christ. If you're in a spot where you feel like you've heard it all, or you don't need to hear it again, you're in a bad spot. We all need continual reminders from God. Another reminder comes in the form of sin in the family. 
Jacob's oldest son, Reuben, sleeps with, his, his, uh, with Jacob's slave wife, Bilhah. This, is, this, is actually, this, is, this isn't just a lust thing. This, this is an act of aggression against his father and, and an insult toward, toward Rachel, yeah, as Bilhah was Rachel's servant. And so, so this, is, this is big. This is huge that's happened here. And, and this is a reminder of a broken family whose only hope is of God's mercy and grace. Right? Let these terrible things in your life turn you toward the wonder of God's grace that can redeem even the worst of offenses. The worst of people. Something else happens that causes remembrance, and it's a series of deaths. Jacob's mother's nurse, Deborah, dies. Jacob, no doubt, remembers his mother, who is out of the picture now when this death occurs. It's, it's a sad remembrance, as, as Jacob never saw his mother again after he fled away from Esau. She just, she just drops out of the picture. And so we know this brings back remembrances of the things that he had done, the things he wished he wouldn't have had done, but how God was still faithful. Then Jacob's favorite wife, that seems weird to say, his favorite wife, Rachel, dies after giving birth to his last son, Benjamin, who would complete the 12. Jacob no doubt remembers his, how he worked to, an additional seven years for this wife. How he was fooled into marrying Leah initially. He probably also remembers his wife's prayer for another son, but also her statement to him when she was barren, give me children or I die. It was bitter irony. Then, finally, Jacob's father Isaac dies. And Esau comes back home to help Jacob bury their father together. A remembrance of reconciliation between two brothers. A reconciliation that Jacob never imagined ever happening. But God orchestrated. See, death reminds us of life events, but it also reminds us of our own death. One day, we will die, and we will spend eternity in either heaven with God or in hell, separated from God for all eternity. What you believe now is eternally important. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And if God can save someone like Jacob and his dysfunctional family, he can certainly save you. He is truly mighty to save. He is our only hope in life and death. Praise be to God. Let us pray.
Father, as we've concluded this series through through the life of Isaac and through much of the life of Jacob, we thank you. We thank you that, that we've seen your grace shining on display. Not because of a, a family that, that had it all together, but because of a, a dysfunctional family that seems to take a wrong turn at every fork in the road. But thank you that your grace is sufficient. And thank you that your promises do not depend on our performance. Thank you that we can live in the reality that Christ died for us, and that is sufficient for our salvation. If there's any here today who's never confessed Christ as their Lord and their Savior, I pray that they would do so today. Even in the quietness of their heart, may they confess Jesus as Lord. If they truly don't understand how to do it, help them not to leave without talking to, to someone today. And Father, for those of us who feel the drift, you know I've felt it before, Lord. The drift away from you. Father, help us to, help us to remember that you are always there even if we feel like you're not. And help us to remember that you... You're always ready to speak to us. Help us to listen. Help us to repent. Help us to kill the sin that's in our life and to move on to abundant life and freedom. Thank you that we have great hope. A hope that compares to no other that's only found in Jesus Christ our Lord. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.